right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to discuss uh, some very interesting content that comes out a couple times a year, uh, a couple of really fun, polarizing discussions that we get to have. Uh, One of those is going to be about the MVP discourse. One of those is going to be about the All-Star break. And then we're just going to have fun in the final segment. I'm going to get some Nuggets fans to chime in on various things. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited to host a couple people on this Thursday night and just be able to enjoy everything that kind of goes into this. Should be a lot of fun. Hopefully everything goes well, but should be good. Is Nikola Jokic, is he actually going to win the MVP? Like, at this point, it's kind of funny. I, after the January 28th game, I I was very overreactive in general on Twitter. And I thought that, okay, there's no way. There's no way, right? Like, Denver can't, like, the Nuggets can't get away with this. Like, Nikola Jokic, there's other guys on Denver that deserve credit. Uh, They are awesome. Don't get me wrong. I did not think that Nikola Jokic was actually in line to be the MVP favorite, especially after that game. And lo and behold, it's been a few days, it's been a few weeks, and this MVP straw poll comes out from Tim Bontemps, and we'll be able to talk about that here just a little bit, but I'm just surprised by the results. I did not think that this was going to be a thing. I thought that there would be a lot stronger of a reaction to uh, Nikola Jokic's third MVP. I think there's a lot of fans on the opposing sides that are uh, wondering, hey, wh- why is there no why is there no voter fatigue? What's, what's wrong? What's going on? Like, how could this be a thing? But in general, I think that Denver at this stage, because of how well they've played, because of how well Nikola Jokic has played, it's kind of gone into the background. And, and we'll see if anybody can kind of take that away from Nikola Jokic going forward. But in this, we are going to discuss the Tim Bontemps straw poll uh, first and foremost. Second segment, like I said, we'll go all-star discourse and, and things that I think we can we can discuss then. And then third segment, we're going to circle back around and have some fun. So uh, should be very good. But this straw poll that Tim, bon- Tim Bontemps comes out with, it is a great tool for kind of gauging where the voters are. When it comes to the MVP, previous years, this has really shifted the narrative in a lot of different ways. I remember after the second straw poll last year, that was basically like, I don't know, early March, late February, somewhere around this time, too. Uh, Jokic was like, he was definitely considered. Actually, I think there were a couple. There were, there were three straw polls that he did. He's going to do another one, Tim Bontemps will. Uh, right before the end of the season, just to kind of gauge where everybody is at. But right now, it has sort of flipped. And I think you see the general reaction from other fan bases as as just being up in arms and being very uh, irritated about where this thing has gone. Because usually, <clears throat> it actually does show like a wide gap between Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and the rest of the MVP field. It's it's wild to think about that this is where we are. <clears throat> I do think, excuse me, I do think that it's probably closer 
it's probably closer than a lot of people think. At this stage, I do think that uh, Denver, if they were to fall off just a couple of games, if they were to finish second in the in the West, then it would be a little bit different. But because they are currently keeping pace with Boston, with Milwaukee, and and all of those teams are very similar, it's hard to use record as the differentiator here, which means then you have to go a little bit deeper and you have to look at net ratings and individual player stats. Those are always going to be a big deal, but I think that everybody wants to focus on the team accomplishment first. And so there were a lot of questions about Nikola Jokic's MVP last year and why he received the award when the Nuggets were a sixth seed. Well, it's because they won three fewer games than the Bucks and the Sixers. It wasn't like those teams ran away with it. It wasn't like those teams were winning at such an incredible rate, despite the fact that I think they were the, the two seed, the three seed, the four seed, whatever. It wasn't like those teams were doing so extremely well that they were night and day from Denver. The net ratings, the records, everything like that was so similar in general that I, there were a lot of people that were using six seed versus three seed as, as kind of an argument against Jokic. But looking a little bit deeper, there was very little difference at that point between the Bucks, Sixers, and Nuggets as a team. And so you had to go deeper and you had to see, okay, so when Jokic is on the floor, the Nuggets are actually really good and they're better than what those teams are. And I think a similar thing is playing out this year. I think when you look a little bit deeper at it, similar things are happening, but we'll we'll talk about that just a little bit. Let's just go over these results really quick. Jokic is at 913 points, and what that means, Bontemps, he gathered together 100 different voters, and they put together a top five in terms of who they would vote for MVP right now. MVP uh, gets 10 points, I think. Yeah, 10 points if I'm not mistaken, uh, or number one. Number two gets seven points. Number three gets five. Number four gets three points. And number five gets one point. And so that is how the points are then accumulated. If you look at the article, and I, I didn't link it, but I'm sure you guys can navigate to it. The MVP, uh, or not the, what am I saying? First place was a very interesting factor here. Just looking at it on my window over here, Jokic had 77 first place votes compared to Giannis with 11, Joel Embiid with 6, Jason Tatum with 5, and Luka Doncic with 1. So 77% of people thought that Jokic was the most valuable player. And then if you go to 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, he had 15 second place votes, 7 third place votes, 1 fourth place vote. And that's wild to me. That's a, that's a crazy number because it shows that everybody, if they don't think that he's first – then 92% of people think that he's at least first or second, which is, I think, a, a strong differentiation between Embiid or Tatum, where the most votes that Embiid got was for third place. The most votes that Tatum got was for fourth place, where Doncic got was for fifth place. Now, that's obviously, there's a little bit of groupthink here. There's a lot of people that have put Jokic above, uh, just sort of based off of the net ratings, based off of averaging a triple-double based off of all of those things. But I'm not really surprised that it's it's worked out like this because he is the only guy that you can make a ironclad statistical case for. And everybody's amazing on this list. There's no doubt that if you watch 
Giannis at one point, you could say, yeah, that's the MVP. There's no doubt that if you watch Embiid at various points, you're like, yeah, that's the MVP. All these guys are great. Like there's, there's, it's grasping at straws trying to come up with differences between them. And so one of the big differences that I've found, and we can go to this now, is just that Jokic, the plus minus and the net rating with him on the court is just absurd. He leads the NBA in plus minus right now, and he doesn't have a an all-star next to him. He isn't sharing the court with, like, he's got a great roster. He's got a great team around him. I think that the Nuggets have built the best starting five in the world, but there's no doubt that everything operates and kind of navigates around Jokic at its center, where Murray will sometimes go off, but sometimes he won't. Porter will sometimes go off, but sometimes he won't. Aaron Gordon will sometimes go off. KCP's a great defender, great, excellent role player. But there's no doubt that Jokic is at the center of everything. And, and I don't think any of the other credit can really be parsed onto anybody else at various points. Like, whereas with, let's say, the Sixers, James Harden has been playing at an all-star level. It was It's a, a kind of a travesty, if I'm being honest, that he wasn't nominated as an all-star. The dude has been awesome. There is no way that some of the guys voted in on the Eastern side, including like Julius Randle. There's no way that Julius Randle should have made it over James Harden. Like, end of discussion. DeMar DeRozan, what are we doing here? There's no reason that DeMar should have been voted in over James Harden. Honestly, there's no reason that Drew Holiday should have been voted in over James Harden. But if you go over to the Bucks side of things, Drew Holiday was voted an all-star. And Brooke Lopez is currently the favorite to be the defensive player of the year. So even though they haven't had Chris Middleton for a lot of it, it feels like those supporting casts are bolstering those guys, even just a little bit. And where we'll talk about with the Nuggets, they don't have anybody else going to the All-Star festivities. They don't have a second All-Star. They don't have a three-point specialist. They don't have a dunk contest champion. They have guys that are very close in those categories. I'm sure the NBA asked those guys, and I'm sure that Aaron Gordon declined because he wasn't voted an All-Star. I'm sure that Michael Porter declined because he wasn't voted an All-Star. Jamal Murray, same thing. Those guys want to go as All-Stars. They don't want to go as specialists. But I do think that at this stage, I think that that's an argument that a lot of people are going to be making. I don't want to make it all the time like, like because I want to credit everybody else. I think that Jamal is a deserving All-Star. I think that Aaron Gordon is like the Andrew Wiggins All-Star of this NBA calendar year. I think that Andrew Wiggins probably got in due to circumstance last year due to Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, guys like that. It was a little bit of a weaker field last year in the Western Conference. This year, it is still kind of that, but there have been other guys that have really been bolstered. And Zion being back, I think, is one of those guys that took away a spot. Uh, Laurie Markin, and same thing. He just kind of jumped the line in the Western Conference and has done some great things in Utah. But I think that Aaron Gordon and Jamal Murray have strong considerations to be all-stars, and they do deserve a lot of that credit. But a lot of people are just not giving that credit. That's too bad on one hand, because I want this to feel like a team. I want this to feel like a team-wide accomplishment for Denver. Right now, it sort of feels like it's Jokic plus everybody else, and I know a lot of people will say that that's true. I don't necessarily think of it that way. I think of what Denver has done this year and just being destroying worlds all the time, and how the supporting cast has really helped that. But 
when you look at the numbers, they all say the same thing. That Jokic is far and away the best player on his own team and the best player in the NBA right now. And when you're the best player in the NBA, putting up the most impactful season, and you are on the best team in the Western Conference, and they're one game back of the lead in the entire NBA, it becomes really easy to make that call. And so that is why Jokic has this lead. Giannis is not doing, like he's putting up crazy numbers too. Everybody is putting up crazy numbers. Uh, Embiid is putting up crazy numbers. And honestly, if I'm being honest, I weigh that game January 28th. I weigh that game stronger like than a lot of people. And I'm a Jokic supporter. I want him to win. But I also think that it's important to credit those guys for stepping up in those moments. So it's tough because I, I, I sympathize with other people that think that their guy should get the credit. But you also have to play better. Like that's the, that's the important thing here. If you do not earn it, then voter fatigue is not a thing. That is not how it works. You have to have an ironclad case. And none of these other guys do. So, look, it is what it is. Um, can anybody catch Jokic after the All-Star break? I think that this is an interesting question and will sort of be the last thing that we do here before the break. I think that uh, Denver is at this stage right now where if hmm. – actually, let's just go to these other matchups here. I thought that this was interesting, just going through and looking at some of these matchups against these other teams. I think that one of these other guys is going to have to have an absolute run. They are going to have to catch the Nuggets in the standings, and they are going to have to surpass the Nuggets in the standings while those guys are playing just unbelievable basketball. And Giannis just went down in the first quarter today. Uh, with a hand injury by the looks of it. So we will see what it looks like for All-Star break and, and whether he's okay in the short term and the long term. So maybe that kind of takes him a step out of this race if that's, a, if that's a potential issue. But if Embiid, if he goes in, like there's, there's a lot of matchups for the Sixers. If you're looking at the bottom of the screen, there's a lot of matchups for the Sixers that they can really change the tone of things. March 2nd. 76ers versus Mavericks, Embiid versus Luka. March 4th, next game, 76ers versus Bucks. March 27th, 76ers versus Nuggets. And March, and uh, April 2nd, 76ers versus Bucks. April 4th, Celtics versus Sixers. So Embiid is going to have an opportunity on a big stage against a, a lot of these other elite MVP candidates where he can really stake a claim. He is going to have to be great in the other games too, because I think that's one thing that really stood out last year when he was trying to catch Jokic, was that Jokic was playing every game extremely well in that, like, especially after the All-Star break, and he averaged like 35, 13, and 7, something like that, something insane. Uh, Embiid then missed a couple performances. He wasn't great in a couple of games, and then he lost the game against Denver, then he also lost the game against Milwaukee. So it was kind of a combination that took Embiid out of the lead. And if he wants to do it the other way this time, he has to be great all the way through. The Sixers have to have a better record than the Nuggets this time. Or it has to be comparable. And Embiid's numbers have to be nuts. Like his efficiency has got to be even better. And he probably has to be a better passer too. He's averaging just under five assists a game, I think. 
It's probably got to be over five, uh, maybe closer to six by the time the season ends because he's capable of it. It would be nice if he if he handled the double team a little bit better, but I think that he is capable of doing it. And if he rattles off and goes like 5-0 and in these matchups and has great performances in all of them, a lot of people are then going to look back at the January 28th matchup and think, and Embiid's going to be, he's been great against everybody. He's been great against all these guys. So I think that he has the best chance of anybody to catch Jokic. But if it's not him, then we're just going to have to see. Like, I, I think that Jokic is probably going to win. He's probably going to win the third straight. And if he does, then cool. Nuggets fans will be able to support it. Nuggets fans will be able to celebrate that. But there's a big, gigantic target that gets put on your back because of something like that. So we will see. Um, we will see what happens. But uh, Rui said this. Someone said Jokic will be the Nash of this generation as an insult. Ring culture is a disease. I'm with you, man. Like, I, I think that... I think that one of the things that really stands out about the the discourse that's popped up over the course of these last few weeks and, and few years, if we're being honest, is that if you don't win the ultimate thing, then you're a fraud. That's not how it works. Anybody that watched the Nuggets last year and then watched the playoffs realized, okay, so they don't have anybody else averaging 15 points a game. Like 15. It's not even a high bar. Aaron Gordon averaged like 15 to 9. Nobody else on the team could average more than that. Will Barton struggled. Monte Morris was fine, but not like a scorer. Bones Highland wasn't ready. There was just a lot, and, and Denver needed Jokic to do absolutely everything. And I think that a guy like Nash, he missed a couple opportunities because of injury. He missed a couple opportunities because he ran into some great teams, like Tim Duncan on the Spurs, Kobe Bryant on the Lakers, like... I think Dirk Nowitzki on the maps. So like he ran into some really, really tough matchups and that sucks. It sucks for him. But like sometimes like Denver, they lost last year to the NBA champion Golden State Warriors. And then the year before they lost to the Phoenix Suns, who in 2021 made the NBA finals. They lost to Giannis. So maybe the Suns are frauds. Like maybe that's how it works. But I don't know, man. Like, it's very fickle. It is a it is a disease, as you mentioned earlier. I think it's tough. But in general, I hope that the Nuggets continue to uh, just continue to grow. And hopefully this isn't a thing that ultimately happens. But I'm looking forward to just not having to talk about this for a while. Um, I don't like to talk about this stuff that often. I think it's necessary because it's my job. But I feel like this shouldn't be about what it's about. Like Denver last year, because there was really no chance to win a title, it was more fun to talk about the narratives. It was more fun to talk about Jokic's dominance because that's really all there was. Uh, now this year, there is a larger goal. And I hope, I know that the Nuggets are thinking about that more than they're thinking about a third straight MVP. But it would be cool. It would be great for history. And if Denver also capped it off with a title this year, I think that would validate a lot of what Nuggets fans have had to go through online in sort of defending this team because it has been a cesspool of ugliness for a while. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss, um, 
you know, let's discuss uh, let's discuss the All Star break. I think that's an important part of where we are going going forward. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Superbook is doing some great things for uh, us <laughs> this year, and you can make 2023 the year you beat Vegas. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best time, best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. So download the Superbook Sports app now, or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's now discuss um, let's discuss All-Star Weekend. Let's go to this now and, and have some fun with it. I do think that it's going to be boring. It's going to be really, really boring. And I think Nuggets fans are going to be pretty disappointed with everything that's going on. So I'm actually wondering, is, is this worth watching? And so we're going to go through it. We're going to go through some of the events, some of the notable events that are happening. Uh, stuff that Nuggets fans, I think, will be more interested in. And we're just going to go... We're going to go through that. Friday night, you have the Celebrity All-Star Game and the Rising Stars Game. I got to be honest, I don't give one flipping iota of a damn about the Celebrity All-Star Game. Uh, you, I, I, don't, I don't care who's in it. I think Jack Harlow's in it. I think that's one name. Uh, there's, I think, oh gosh, is it uh, Janelle Monet? I think is in it, but I don't know. I, I don't really care, and I don't think that Nuggets fans are going to really care about this either. So unless you unless you like watching amateurs play basketball and enjoy uh, just the aspect of, of seeing some famous people try to hoop, then that's fine. But for me, it's not it's not for me. Like I'm just not going to do it. But the Rising Stars game, you would think that it would have more interesting talent in that game than in the Celebrity All Star game. But I don't know. Like here's some notable Rising Stars participating in this thing. You've got Jalen Green. Bones Highland, who Nuggets fans like, it, that's that's the guy that you'd be watching if if you're a Nuggets fan. I think just to have some some FOMO on that. Uh, Jalen Green, Bones Highland, Alperin Shangoon, Josh Giddy, Evan Mobley, Paolo Bancaro, Scotty Barnes, Benedict Matherin, Scoot Henderson, and some other guys that I could mention. Like you've got Keegan Murray, you've got uh, Walker Kessler if you're if you're a fan of blocks. Uh, but in general, like. The way that they're formatting this this year is they've got four separate teams, three teams of NBA guys, uh, rookies and sophomores kind of split up into a couple different, uh, few different teams. And then you've got a team of G-leaguers where you've got the G-league select guys. And one of those is Scoot Henderson, who is going to be a draft pick for the NBA, uh, for the NBA draft this upcoming year. And that could be a thing, like that could be something that Nuggets fans are are excited to see if you're a draft guy or if you just want to see who the young talent is 
heading into the league, but I don't know. I got to be honest. I don't feel like there's a lot of great rising stars, like at, at least in this group. Like Scotty Barnes has kind of flopped. Paolo Bancaro is going to be good, but I I don't see like I don't see a a true superstar in this group. I forgot to mention Franz Wagner, his teammate, is also competing in this thing. I think Franz is very good, but he's also like I don't know. Like he's he's closer to Aaron Gordon, I think, than he is to LeBron. If you're talking about uh, just the level of impact that you're going to make on a contender, like that's that's fine, but it's not it's not fun. Jalen Green's going to have some flying high flying dunks. Bones Highland should be hot dogging it and having a good time, and that should be that should be enjoyable. Alper and Shangun going around and. Uh, just making some crazy passes and doing some crazy things. It should be fine, but like, I don't know. This it doesn't seem very fun to me to watch this game. Like, I think that the NBA could have done better. I, it would be nice if Cade was playing. It would be nice if, well, actually, this rookie class this year just hasn't been super interesting. So maybe that's me. Uh, Jalen Duran, like he'll be he'll be fun. He'll be a high flying center that was just added to the group, and he'll have some dunks. And maybe Scoo Henderson will be fun too, but. To me, it, it, I think that Denver's just in a different era right now where the Nuggets and Nuggets fans don't really have to worry about these guys they, at all. Like They just have a bunch of veterans that they have to worry about now, and that's fine. Let's just see the comments here. Just uh, uh, <laughs> Jalen Green is ass, bro. Every time I check a box where he shot like 4 of 17, I uh, – yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 brutal. Like I, I, I've made the argument several times that – Jalen Green and Bones Highland are actually very similar prospects, and that's fine. And Houston Rockets fans are not very happy with me when I say that. So that's always good. Uh, and Rui, Kate is not okay to play. He is – it's it's uh, he's out for the season. He, he's not going to be available at, at for this year at all. Like, it would be cool to watch him, and, and I'd love to see Detroit if they were actually available. But, like, having uh, Jaden Ivey, who's also in this thing, I think. Jaden Ivey is pretty good. Uh, Kate Cunningham, Jalen Duran, like they've got some young talent on their team, and it should be a lot of fun to see what they look like going forward. But there was a different feel, I think, with the Minnesota Timberwolves when when they had Carl Anthony Towns, Zach Levine, and Andrew Wiggins on their team. Like that just felt different in general. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like that with this with this Detroit team. So is what it is. Um, let's look at Saturday night. You have the skills challenge, you have the three-point contest, you have the dunk contest. Uh, I got to be honest, folks, this skills challenge is pretty sad. You've got the three Antetokounmpo brothers. They are doing the same bit that they had last year where you have the three Antetokounmpo brothers going through the skills challenge. And like nobody wants to do this thing. It's kind of boring. It's very, uh, it's very gimmicky. So the fact that they have Giannis and his brothers to be able to do it, this Thanasis and Alex. Uh, I don't remember who it's Costas is the other one, but they have Thanasis and Alex as the two other guys. Uh, Alex is in the G League with the Wisconsin Herd, and Thanasis I, I think is with maybe maybe it's the other way around. But uh, either way, like just I, I it's it was a fun bit last year, but to do it again is is fine, like whatever. And then last year I remember they had three Cleveland Cavaliers doing it. I think they had. Uh, Darius Garland, Larry Marketin, and Jared Allen at that point doing, or maybe they had Evan Mobley doing it. But this year they have three jazz players, which includes uh, Colin Sexton, 
Laurie Markkinen and Walker Kessler, if I'm not mistaken. It might be Laurie, it might be it might be somebody else, but in general, it's just not a like what what is it about that that is really exciting to people? I just I can't really get behind it. Uh, this is me being a hater. Like I, I understand that, but and then the the three rookies that are in it are Jaden Ivy, Palabancaro, and I think it's Keegan Murray, maybe. Uh, let me just confirm that if I can. Um, no, it's Jabari Smith Jr., who is playing for the Houston Rockets and also exists. So, fine. Like, it is what it is, but not necessarily the most exciting uh, group, I would say. Um, now, last one here. Actually, let's go back here. Three-point contest, uh, not the last one, second one. Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero, Buddy Heald, Kevin Herter, Larry Markkinen, Jason Tatum, and Julius Randle. Uh, there was somebody else. Like I think I, I think I forgot to type somebody. Uh, let me just go through that now. Uh, did I say Dame? No. I think there might be another replacement at some point. But oh, Buddy Heald, Buddy, no, Buddy here. What am I doing? Um, either way. Like, it's so forgettable that I don't have the entire field. Julius Randle is shooting 33% from three. Jason Tatum is shooting 35%. I understand that those guys are taking harder three-pointers, which is one of the reasons why KCP is not involved in this thing, because apparently he doesn't take enough hard three-point shots, just enough contested threes that people want to see. You know, because they always have contests, and they always make you take step-back jumpers when you are standing at the rack on All-Star Weekend. That doesn't make any sense at all, actually. So, I don't know. They decided that they didn't want to have any of the top 10 three-point shooters. I'm sure that they asked Steph Curry. I'm sure that they asked Seth Curry. Buddy Heald is also, like, he's on that list, I'm pretty sure. He's great. Like, he's a great three-point shooter. He's he's very talented. But guys like uh, Markkinen is actually a very good three-point shooter, too. So, he deserves it. Like, he deserves to also represent... Uh, his hometown city, which it's in Salt Lake. Not really surprised that this is the thing. But why is Tyrese Halliburton doing this thing? Why is Tyler Hero doing this thing? Why is Kevin Herter here? And why are Jason Tatum and Julius Randle here? Like, I understand that they wanted some star power with Tatum. I understand that maybe they want to prop up Tyrese Halliburton and Tyler Hero as young stars. But like, what has Kevin Herter done this year that Michael Porter has not at a better level? Like, he's not shooting at a higher level. Michael Porter shoots more, and he shoots a more efficient threes, like, or more efficiently. Like, he also takes seven a game. So this isn't, like, a crazy thing to ask the NBA. If you didn't want to have KCP out there, you should have had Michael out there. And I'm surprised that Michael Malone didn't really campaign for MPJ to be in the three-point contest, because if there's anybody on the team that profiles as a three-point contest threat, it is Michael Porter. Not just KCP, because like KCP, obviously, he has the, like, he would do well in this thing, but he's not the star that Michael Porter is. So I'm surprised that Michael Malone didn't campaign stronger for Porter, but it just feels weak, man. It just feels really, really weak. And it's too bad. It's too bad that this is where it's it's come down to, because the Nuggets are the number one three-point shooting team in the NBA. They deserve to have some representation here at All-Star Weekend. And the only person that's going to be representing them is Jokic and Michael Malone. Like, those two. That's crazy. That is a wild thing. Like, this should have been a thing. 
Yeah, Rob, I'm with you. The fact that the best three-point shooting team in the league doesn't have a, re- a rep is ridiculous and a real stain on the comp for the NBA. Uh, they just hate our beloved Nuggets. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Rob. Um, and then Walrus says, I agree with Marlo. I think he said it, that a world versus America all-star game would be pretty fun to watch. It would be pretty fun to watch. Now, I think that the idea that they do have for Team LeBron versus Team Giannis picking, like that should be pretty good. It should be interesting especially when it comes to the Elam ending. But it also would be nice to just see Jokic versus Embiid, Western versus Eastern. Like, I think that that's probably going to happen anyway, but still feels like they're missing out there. And then finally, on, on Saturday night, the dunk contest, this is just embarrassing. Like, what are we doing here? Trey Murphy, Jericho Sims, Mac McClung, KJ Martin. Like, this is, this might be the saddest dunk contest list that they've had. Like, Usually they can get some stars. Usually they can get some guys that are really like just enriching the masses with awesome dunks on a consistent basis at the highest levels. None of these guys, like Trey Murphy is a good in-game dunker. I'll give them that. Like he's the guy that I'm probably most excited to see, but he's also the guy among these that like I least uh associate Trey Murphy with dunks. I associate him with spot up threes from like 29 feet. But he's a good dunker and he's very athletic and should be good at this, but at least we'll see. But I don't know. Like Jericho Sims, Mac McClung. Mac McClung is not even in the NBA right now. Like they could have done better. They probably should have done better. But I have a feeling that a lot of NBA stars just don't really want to see all the social media hate that comes out when it comes to missing dunks. And that's too bad. That's too bad because this would be a really fun thing if it was there. Um, so Saturday night for me is a bust. You've got the skills challenge, you've got the three-point contest, and you've got the dunk contest. And none of those are super exciting. So I'll be hanging out with friends on that day, and I will not be having this on. I, I gotta imagine. Unless they want it on and I'll I'll flip it on, but I don't I don't think so. Uh, Sunday, as I say here, it's the all-star game. It is an exciting thing. I think that um yeah, I think that at this point, that's going to be what I'm most excited for, just because you're going to get that live selection process, or at least that's what we're hoping for, right? That's what we're hoping for when it comes to uh, kind of the schoolyard, uh, stand in a line, everybody goes, okay, I want you, not you, I want you, not you. And being able to pick a team between LeBron and Giannis that actually has fun, that actually enjoys the moment. And that would be great. That would be great if, if you got some good competition out of it because of the picking. Because, hey, you, you picked me, you didn't pick me. Like, that would be that would be great. Just at least a, a little small slight for these professional athletes. But there is some discussion that this might be staged, that it might be agreed upon beforehand just so that nobody's feelings are hurt out in the open uh, right before the, the process of of actually playing. So hopefully that's not a thing, but I do think that with the Elam ending, uh, that should be, it should still be fun. It should still be enjoyable. I don't know if Jokic is going to like close this game. I don't know if they're going to do that. I think that Larry Markkinen will probably close the game in his place at that all-star spot. LeBron will want to be on the court. Um, Michael Malone though, will be the head coach of the all-star game. And so if, if LeBron picks Jokic, which I think he probably will, 
because of that connection between coach and player. Uh, I got to imagine that Jokic will, like Malone will have a say in terms of whether Jokic is out there. Uh, whether it, let's let's say Jokic says I only want to play five to ten minutes, I do not want to play that much in this game. Then maybe that also is a thing that happens. But in general, it should be fun towards the end. Like they're going to battle for charities, they're going to battle for competition. If Jokic versus Embiid kind of happens in the middle of the game organically, that'll be interesting. Maybe Jokic versus Giannis. Maybe they go. Maybe there's some other fun matchups that will come out of it, but. I don't know. It would be nice to see Jokic and Giannis kind of, or Jokic and Embiid kind of go back at it again against each other at the All Star game. Although, if Embiid doesn't play, I understand. It's you're supposed to. You're actually kind of required to, unless you're hurt. Does sound like he's hurt, so we will see if he actually stays in the thing, or maybe he just plays five minutes at the beginning and then sits out and has a good time. More power to him if he does. All right. Um, just check the comments here. <laughs> Giannis and Joker are friends, though. They are, but, like, there's a, a friendly little bit of, um, okay, so Andres actually says he, he sprained his wrist tonight. Is that actually a thing? I haven't been checking Twitter. Uh, let's just go check this here really quick. Um, I didn't see anything come along, but, but maybe something's happening. Uh, either way, like, it would be, it would be tough if, if you don't get some of those matchups, but. Maybe they decide to go with some other other things. I don't, I don't know what they're going to ultimately do, but should be fun regardless. I, I'm looking forward, if I'm looking forward to anything, it's Sunday night as opposed to the Saturday night festivities, which I think are going to be a bust, but we will see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over uh, a, a more fun activity, and I, I'm going to ask the chat to help me out with this one. The top five Nuggets moments of the season so far. Should be fun. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Final segment, pick action roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's now discuss the top five Denver Nuggets moments of the season. It's been a fun year. It's been a really exciting time to be a Nuggets fan where everything has gone pretty well, I would say. I think if you look back through all of the moments, a lot of those moments were basically, they were they were compressed in between December and January. Not a lot of fun, I think, has happened in February. Not a lot of fun happened in October and November. But in general, I think that there have been a lot of great moments this season, then sometimes you kind of miss that in like in the span of a, a long regular season that, that kind of happens this way. So I'm going to share my five. Also going to share some honorable mentions right before that. And we should have a good time with it. Patrick McMahon, you're, uh, you're, you're stealing my thunder here. Gordon Dunk, that's, uh, that's going to be on the list, I think. That's going to be something. Uh, but in the end, here, let's let's go with some honorable mentions first as the chat kind of remembers uh, what, what this could look like. Honorable mentions for me, uh, the first one is that Nikola Jokic buzzer beater versus Orlando. Because that one, it was a great moment. Don't get me wrong. The Nuggets won 119-116. It was a close game. Denver came back. They were trailing with, I think, a minute and a half left to go. They fought their way back, had a good time with it. And then Jokic hits that step back three. That was great. 
but it was also the magic. It was also one of those games where I think Jamal actually said this uh, in a separate post gamer that he's like, yeah, we won against Orlando, but uh, like it was it was one of those things where they, they shouldn't have had it come down to the wire like that. And it was a great moment. It was fun. But in the back of your head, you're like, yeah, this should never have been a thing. This should never have been a moment to really celebrate. It's great. And you're going to definitely have fun with it, but that's fine. Um, I also personally like beating the Clippers without Jokic. I think that that was one thing that in general, Nuggets fans should be pretty happy with. It w- I think it really set the tone for how good this team could be, even without the MVP. Like you, you go into uh, Los Angeles to face the Clippers, and you actually have a really, really strong game. And shutting those guys down was a big, big deal. Uh, just and then Yo- uh, Murray and Porter kind of finishing the game off right at the end with the way that they played. That was great. And Denver, just their defense in that game was also awesome. So lots of good things there. And then I remember the Vlatko uh, stopping SGA. I've got that on the, on the bar here. Vlatko shutting down SGA in an overtime win. Like on the road, Denver didn't really have anybody else to guard him. He was going past Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, KCP, Jamal Murray. They were too small. Uh, there were just a lot of guys like just not not rising to the moment. And Vlatko, of, of all the guys, I think it was a good precursor to what he's, he's now turned into a regular rotation player for Denver. But he stepped in and, and had a great moment against Shea. And I think that really set up Denver to trust Vlatko going forward. And that was great. That was a really, really important piece to the actual regular season. Um, I've got some other, some other folks posting their moments in the chat. Uh, Rui says, AG dunk, Jamal game winner, Portland, Vlaco dunk, Jokic game winner. I like it. It's a good list. Uh, Robert says, beating Dallas with just one starter. Can't remember if KCP played or not. I think he did. I think it was KCP and Porter, but it didn't feel that way, right? Like, it, it didn't feel like KCP was a big, big part of that game. There, there was just a lot of defense being played. Bruce Brown was in that. DeAndre Jordan started that game and they won that. That was cool. Um, Rui also says uh, Clippers shutting down at halftime. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. That was a good one. Robert says Joker's falling out of bounds pass to Bruce Brown. That was awesome. That was great. That didn't make my list, but that's a good honorable mention for sure. Uh, and then Patrick also says Murray 41-point game. That was That was awesome. And it didn't make my list. There was another Murray moment that did, and we'll get to that here real quick, but uh, just lots of good stuff from Jamal kind of growing over the course of the season and really getting back to the player that everybody thinks that he can be. So lots of good stuff there. Number five, though, I have stomping the Memphis Grizzlies on December 20th. If you remember in that game, neither Murray nor Porter played in that game. Ja, Jaron Jackson, Steven Adams. Those guys all played. Desmond Bain did not. Uh, but Denver shut that team down. They scored 91 points. They could not score on the Nuggets. And the lineup that Denver threw out there of Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, KCP, Aaron Gordon, and Jokic. And for them to only score 91 points in that game. Now, Denver only put up 105, but it just felt like 
it felt like they, they choked the life out of Memphis and that they, they, those guys didn't have anything for that particular moment. Uh, that was really cool. And I think it showed just how, how differently Denver could win in, in these various games. They didn't have to be an offensive team because at that moment, Denver was still like 25th or so in defensive rating. And so it was nice to see that they, they could hold a team like Memphis to 91. They didn't need to do anything crazy. They could just win. They could win with defense if they needed to. That was really cool. It was one of those things. Uh, I don't know if that was the uh, Jokic bounce pass through his legs. I don't remember if that was the game against Memphis, but I know he went 13, 13, and 13. And oh, it was that game. Like he, that was the moment where he he passed the ball to Bruce Brown through his legs for a Bruce Brown dunk. Great moment for sure. Number four, eviscerating the Clippers in a single quarter. January 5th was like, that was a, what a wild game. There there were some wild moments at the end of December, beginning of January, just a lot going on during that stretch of the Nuggets season. And it turned in from a, it turned from what was kind of a meh season at that point to an amazing season in just the span of like three to four weeks. And this was one of those games where you win that game, you win that quarter by about 30 points. And uh, it was just one of those crazy ones where uh, the Clippers at that point, they shut their guys down at half. They didn't, like, I think it was a 38-point margin at one point in the first half. It might have been even 40 at various points. But those guys shut it down at halftime. They did not feel the need to play their starters in the second half. It was just a complete evisceration. And it was a moment where Denver, I think, put themselves on the map a little bit. Uh, post, uh, uh, like in, at the beginning of 2023, Denver had gone through a couple of other games that I'm going to mention here. But I think that that was one of those where they, they took a Western Conference contender and shredded them, just absolutely shredded them. And there were no major issues with the Clippers at that point. They had Kawhi, they had PG, they had a lot of these guys, and just eviscerated them. It was awesome. Number three. Going toe-to-toe with Boston. This was one where I think people are going to forget this one. And it probably it probably is more for me than it is for anybody else. Where, like, this is one where Boston is, they're just one of those contenders that you know is going to be there on the other side when if, if you make the Western Conference and NBA Finals. Like, any NBA Finals team from the Western Conference is going to have to face probably Boston. And they might face Milwaukee. They might face Philly. But in my mind, I think that Boston is that team that if you face them, it's going to be a real issue for just about anybody. And Boston's proven themselves to be that like unbelievable team. And Denver beat them, and they, they took it to them, especially in the second half. It felt very clear and definitive just how better Denver was. I was going through the box score in that game. Jokic put up 30, 12, and 12 with zero turnovers. <laughs> like... The dude is unbelievable, and and the way that they attacked the Celtics was as a team. Uh, Aaron Gordon staggered and guarded Jason Tatum reasonably well. Jalen Brown and Bones Highland were going at it. That was a, a good Bones Highland moment for sure, and there was just a lot to like about the way that Denver played. Michael Porter was a part of it, I'm pretty sure. I don't think I don't think Jamal Murray played, if I'm not mistaken. So they started Bruce in place of Jamal. But it was still a great moment. Still a really exciting thing for Denver. Number two. Actually, let's go through the comments here real quick. 
Um, yeah, the Clippers scolded their starters. That was that was a great moment, Andres. Um, Robert says, I remember that one. I was worried about them getting washed and they beat them. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics were great. And the last time Denver had played Boston in Denver, it was like that, where Denver just got absolutely washed in the first half. So it was nice to see Denver really step up to the moment. And that's one of those things where those are those are measuring stick games. And I think Denver's done pretty well overall in the measuring stick games outside of the Philly one. Number two, Christmas night, the OT win versus the Phoenix Suns. This was crazy. And it's tough that Devin Booker went out. He left with about like about four minutes into it. And he actually just missed like six weeks ever since that game. And he, he's come back now and he looks good. Looks like he's fine. But in general, that was a great win for Denver because they absolutely needed to show themselves and the rest of the NBA that they could compete with the Phoenix Suns. And that was always going to be a rivalry game. I have never heard an away team booed, like as a team, as loudly as I heard the Phoenix Suns booed that night by Nuggets fans, which is crazy to me. That was the, that was a very surprising moment in my mind. And, and like Nuggets fans do not like the Phoenix Suns. They do not like the way that it went down, getting swept four up. And I think that that's something that the Nuggets in general also hated. So it's nice to see Denver be able to really bounce back from that. And the OT dunk that Aaron Gordon had over Landry Shamit, such a big deal. Jamal Murray had some moments in that game. Uh, he, especially in that fourth quarter, helped bring back Denver and had some big time shots in that game. But then Nikola Jokic went like 45, 15, and 15 in that game. I, I don't remember the exact number, but the dude went off. It was crazy. It was crazy to watch. And for him to be able to do that in that moment against DeAndre Ayton, like that is going to be a potential matchup. And I know that Phoenix now has Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Like they are going to have way better scoring in general, even than when they had in that game where they put up 128 or so against Denver. But I think that the Nuggets are in a good position where as long as they have Jokic and as long as he's playing as well as he can against DeAndre Ayton, then that's going to be a matchup that Denver feels pretty comfortable with from a scoring perspective. Maybe not from a stopping perspective, but definitely scoring. And finally, my favorite matchup for sure. Uh, Benny, by the way, like I agree. Half-court shot by Vlatko in that uh, Dallas win, uh, the, the win over Dallas in Dallas was a big deal. That was actually one of those that that should have been an honorable mention, if I'm being honest. Like that was a big, big deal. Um, but yeah, if we're talking top Nuggets moments, this was a big one. This was a big one for me because I traveled to this game. I've been on two road trips so far. It was the opener and then it was this game. And I didn't know how it was going to go. Uh, also, yeah, Jokic assist record. Uh, this comment just came through. That was also a big deal. It's not the biggest deal. Like, I think that the individual accomplishments, there's just not as much there as some of these team moments, but it is a big deal. And, and like, I remember 2000, 1500, like it was yesterday. I can remember my exact feelings and moments in that game last year. So there are some ways that statistical accomplishments will kind of filter through, but not that one in particular. Um, but yeah. Being in Portland for that game, being able to write the story that I did pregame 
Uh, I went to shoot around that game. I got a nice story for Jamal, uh, from Jamal, and I thought that it went pretty well. It was a nice feature. Him basically talking through his, uh, his return process, his recovery process, and talking about how, in general, he's not back, or he wasn't back at that point, and, and how mentally he was getting through it. And it was really cool to be able to write that and have people read it, have people share it, and talk about, hey, this is a good article. And then for that night, for Jamal to go off in that fourth quarter and to hit that step-back jumper over Jeremy Grant for a game winner where the Nuggets were down two, they needed two, and they got three. And Murray being able to do that, like, kind of looked off Jokic in that moment. And... Jokic had talked, he talked about that play after the fact. I was like, yeah, I, I kind of bobbled the ball. I wasn't in good position. So I just handed it off to Jamal and let him work. And he trusted Jamal in that moment to get off a good shot. And that is what a great teammate does. And that's the synergy that those guys have. That's the trust that those guys have in each other, that the organization has in Jamal in those moments. And for him to do that, in that moment, kind of, he had been struggling. He had been going through it. But to see him rise to that moment in a hostile environment and to hit that shot, it really gave the sense to me that, okay, this team has it. They have it as long as that dude is playing the way that he is playing and the way that he is capable of playing, that he showed that he was previously capable of. And now he scored 41 points in a game. He has been awesome. Uh, for much of the season, basically ever since that point. And he has shown the capability to step up in those big moments, hit big shots. That is such a big deal because it means that Jokic doesn't have all the pressure on him. It means that Jokic doesn't have to do everything all the time for the team. And for Murray to be able to step up in that point and prove it on the road against a rival, like Damian Lillard has just made a Big time shot over Murray on the other end of the floor. And for Murray to be able to come back and do that, big time stuff. So that is my top moment. I might be biased. I probably am if we're being honest. Maybe other people have a different top moment. But if you have top moments, make sure to give it a comment down in the comment section below. Uh, it's been a great, great season for the Nuggets. The, top, the title of this podcast is Can Jokic Actually Win a Third Straight MVP? Like, come on. Like, we're in a great spot. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch this team for the rest of the season, and hopefully they can continue to capitalize on what's to come. But for now, I think that is going to do it, folks, for this episode of Pick, Axe, and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. It is really exciting to be able to do this. It's really exciting to be a part of this and for Nuggets fans to hop into the comments and enjoy it together. Uh, really enjoying doing the show in this format, and I really hope that people continue to come back. I'm going to take a break, though. I'm not going to do any podcasts over All-Star Break. I've decided that that is what is necessary for me, uh, just to be able to do this at a high level. So I'm looking forward to it, but I will see you guys next week.